0: Project Music was started in 2015 as a joint project of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and the Country Music Association, and is the US's first music tech accelerator. Graduates of the program have gone on to run successful companies and raise millions of dollars, as well as bringing much needed new tech into the music space. Welcome to the Future of What. I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Support for the Future of What comes from Merch Table, With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, MerchTable partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk about the last five years of project music. It's all coming up on The Future of What... Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange, which provides royalty solutions and advocacy to ensure all music creators are paid what they are owed. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Heather McBee of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. Heather, welcome to the future of what?
1: Awesome. Thank you. So great to be here with you,
0: Portia. I love having people live in the studio. <laughs> it makes me happy. All right. So Project Music got off the ground. Its first class was 2015. 2015. So how did you guys come up with the idea for this?
1: The concept really came out of recognizing Nashville as being very central to the music industry, and a lot of the economic development in Nashville is based on the music industry. Mm -hmm. At the time, was recognized as an $11 million contributor to the Nashville economy, and it's only grown since then, and that number didn't even include the money generated from tourism based on the music industry. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, it's continued to grow, and obviously, it's Music City. Yeah. And one of the great things about Nashville, if the major labels, the major publishers, the PROs, if they're not headquartered here already, they have a major outpost. Right. Plus, there's a great indie scene. So we recognize that this could really be a support community and that we could build it as a hub for new technology that wanted to work and help grow the music industry revenue pie. Right. So talk a little bit about the foundational principles of Mm -hmm. Project Music. Absolutely. A lot of the investment money, the support for the program comes from the music industry. And also my background working at Sony, I had a big belief in the music and it's all about the music. There's this great Waylon Jennings quote about you're doing it for the music. And based on that concept, what we're doing is really helping these companies come in and understand there are rights holders that need to be compensated. There are the creators themselves that need to be complicated. It is a (laughs) complicated complicated industry, but they need to be compensated as well. That's how the industry works. That's how people have jobs and it's sustainable. And I was always taught to believe in that concept. The other piece of it is I used to sit across the table in my digital role at the label and have those conversations with entrepreneurs. And they would come in and say, your business is totally wrong. You're doing it wrong. And I didn't want to hear that. I'm working really, really hard every day on this business and building this business and trying to find the new tech that works. But it was at times kind of offensive, right? That was the way it was presented. So one of the things we do is really try to help the entrepreneurs entrepreneurs understand how do you have these conversations with the companies in the music industry so that they want to support you because mm-hmm. once you get a champion within the industry that's really what you need that's how you get the ball rolling and mm-hmm. that's that's the other great thing about Nashville is find your champions here let them take you to corporate and walk through the door with that natural support instead of going to corporate and fighting through the red tape and everything it takes absolutely and i think you know, I've been saying for the last year on this
0: podcast that we're finally in a place where music and tech have created a marriage that is positive. Yes, yeah. Because for years, tech was doing exactly what you said. They would mm-hmm. Tech people would come to the music industry. They'd say, you guys are doing this all wrong. This is completely insane. You need to do this. <laughs> and we were, would all just stare at them because you're like, you guys are creating a solution for a problem that we don't have. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of problems that need solutions. Absolutely. Though. And I feel like finally, finally, mm-hmm. after many years of Like projects like Project Music and people who are starting to talk to the music business, tech people who come in and say, hey, what are your problems? Let's understand you. Absolutely. We're finally, finally, I mean, Jamber is a perfect example, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a product of Project
1: Project Music. Music. Yes, absolutely. Those are like
0: real solutions to actual problems
1: we have Mm -hmm. in the music industry. And it's beautiful when it comes together like that. Absolutely. And that's, again, going back to that foundational principle of the program, what we did is we built an advisor pool made up of successful entrepreneurs both in and out of the music side of things and then a lot of service providers but then the big important part were those industry experts that could come in and work with the entrepreneurs and help them understand those challenges and make some of the key connections to enable them to deep dive into what those challenges and problems were. You brought up Jamber, that's a great example. They came in with a concept and I think you're going to be talking to Marcus mm-hmm. later. I will let him tell the story of how they came to project music and what their initial idea was. But it wasn't until we were able to help them get exposed to the musicians union and some of the labels that they really started understanding that metadata and interoperability with systems challenges that the industry did face. Over the years, the consolidation within the industry is part of what created those challenges because everybody had their proprietary systems. And here we're trying to wrap our head around how do we manage the royalties. And when you merge those systems together, it's like mind blown. Right. What do you do? Right. And, you know, I
0: always say that the music business is a patchwork of historical accidents.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's... (laughs) And it really, really is. But the thing that's funny is that if you're a tech person coming into our music space, Mm -hmm. you can't just be like, oh, well... It's a bunch of accidents, so therefore it doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, that's actually how we got here. Right, absolutely. It's it's our true history. And so you do have to take all of those things into account, even though they may seem Mm -hmm. completely bananas. Like, no one would start
1: an industry based on this. Well, no we didn't that's we didn't. Not, <laughs> we it was didn't full do it full. the industry was full of entrepreneurs exactly. when it started yeah. it was the same thing in entrepreneur experiences you're building from scratch you're not yeah. necessarily focused on your operations when you start you've got an idea you're trying to make money you build the back end as you figure out what you need to manage the business and that's how it ended up with accidents and being so for lack of a better word cobbled together over the well, years exactly yeah.
0: and also i mean look at how the digital revolution mm-hmm. has Transformed the landscape. You know, what? I took over a record label in 2006, and I ran it for 13 years. Oh wow! And those 13 years were the transition from the physical marketplace Mm -hmm. where we put out, you know, a physical piece of absolutely to this digital marketplace where it's suddenly about millions of lines of data. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that right. You know, just 13 years ago. So we've had to cobble together mm-hmm. just things, you know, as people do it. And of course, every company started from scratch and just did it themselves. Absolutely. And so that's why
1: we are where we are today. Absolutely. I mean, that digital age. I grew up in it. I started in the days of the CD and watched that transition happen, and then the transition to digital and working with folks like Apple and iTunes. But even in the early days, I came out of the BMG system mm-hmm. into Sony, and I remember. The cat we put one of the first commercial digital releases out there and we were trying to build a model of how do we go direct to the marketplace with it. That was what all the labels were trying right. on the forefront. How do we right. do this by ourselves? And the pricing was way out of whack mm-hmm. and we were just you know trying to figure out how do you engage the consumer with this digital revolution that's right. happening. And we didn't know what the future held. It oh, was cool. a, That entrepreneurial spirit of let's figure this out. How do we use this new tech and this new channel? And and everything was more expensive then, too. Oh, yeah. You know, the disruption and how 10 can do one yeah. that didn't exist yet. Yeah, exactly. So, five years down the road, mm-hmm. you guys have had five
0: successful classes, it seems like. Or five successful
1: cohorts, cohorts going through it. We're about to go into year six oh of gosh. the program. So exciting. It is very exciting. And things have changed. I mean,
0: like all good programs, you guys have honed things Absolutely. along the way and changed a little bit here and there. but. What are you looking forward to for this year's class?
1: More companies, later stage companies have been a big part of it. That's one of the great things that we've been able to see over the program. That first year, that's... I love those people. Marcus at Jamber, Channing and McKinsey at Even Moore, Chad at Video Bomb. They were just a family. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get teary-eyed <laughs> when I think about it because they were a family when they came together. The model right. at the time was really based off of what was working in the entrepreneur and investor space, which was basically a boot camp. Mm. You come, you move to Nashville for 14 weeks. We immerse you in all this entrepreneur education and this industry immersion and just wear them out. Some of them slept on the floor at night because they were also trying to get their business off the ground while they were consuming all of this information. And the growth over the year, that first year was early stage companies. Idea stage, Channing and McKenzie were still in college at the time. They were juniors in college when they came into the program. And it's just this little fledgling companies with great ideas that came in and they worked together. To make it happen. They supported each other while they were going through all of this. And that was just such a great part of it. But then each year, the teams and what it attracted got stronger and stronger. Cause this was the first accelerator in sure. the world supporting music tech. That first uh-huh. year we went to madame and really talked about what we were doing and how it could work. And you know, watching the startups there. It's like, hey, here's a model that can really help you do this. And so now we're at a point in the program where we're getting revenue-positive companies coming through this. Last year, we had a company that had already raised half a million dollars and companies that have come through that already have over a million users. So just watching that growth in the program and how that's as an organization has pushed us to find how do you still serve those idea stage companies and those mid level companies that are trying to figure this out as well. That's exciting. So, just looking for more of that in the new year and how we can serve more entrepreneurs and really help them in the process, no matter where they are. You know, Absolutely. we have companies come through that are looking for investment. They already have the music business knowledge and connections, but they need help with their pitch deck and connections to investors in the space. So really trying to meet them where they're at in the process as we go forward.
0: Absolutely. Well, Heather McBee, mm. VP of Operations at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, thank you for being with me on The Future of What?
1: Thank you so much, Portia. Really appreciate it. My files are
2: corrupt. My answers are abrupt. I think i Snow really are when it. Thanks from the lobby these days.
0: The Airport Lobby by New Dog. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Marcus Cobb of Jamber. Marcus, welcome back to The Future of What. Yeah, thank you
3: so much. So oh, nice part to, two. <laughs> part two, but this time I get to look at you, which yeah, is so much better. So much better. I Actually, like it's that. more like a prequel, right? This yes, is going to be like, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, very cool.
0: So, you future of what listeners, you haven't heard Marcus yet, but you're going to hear him again. Yeah. <laughs> this
3: is part one. <laughs> Was that a spoiler alert? My bad. Yes, yeah, just look that alert. out. That's <laughs> no, fine.
0: So, you are here today because we are doing an episode on Project Music, yes. which is the Nashville Entrepreneur Center's amazing program. It's yeah. an accelerator program for startups. You guys are graduates of the 2015 program, yeah, the inaugural class. The inaugural <laughs> yeah, class. Yeah. So, tell me how you even first found out about Project Music.
3: Well, Project Music is housed in the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, uh, which is also a Google Entrepreneur Center. At the time, we were based, when I say we, I mean two of us, but we were based in the world's largest co working space incubator, which is 1871 in Chicago. It's a massive space, I think something like 200,000 square feet, but it's also a Google Entrepreneur Center. Okay. So my understanding is when the Nashville UC, they were touring different facilities and different co working spaces. And when they stopped by 1871 in Chicago, they mentioned offhandedly this Project Music Accelerator they were going to start, the world's first music technology accelerator. And we were a music tech company in Chicago, which Chicago has no idea what to do with music tech. <laughs> so <laughs> when the leadership there heard about, they're like, hey, Marcus, maybe you should go down to Nashville and apply for this Project Music thing. And long story short, that's where it all started.
0: Wow. So now you actually moved yourself. To Nashville,
3: grudgingly at first, absolutely, yeah. Originally, the program was four months, and you were required to be on site. Okay, so moved down here with my co-founder and advice to anyone thinking you're going to move to Nashville and just find a temporary house for four <laughs> months. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. It's a very very busy town. But we came down here, and I only planned on staying for four months. But that was almost five years ago now.
0: Wow, and here and here yeah, you are. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right before we started recording, you said something about potentially you know you used to sleep here. So oh my goodness, just yeah. lay it on us. Like what was this like? This oh, project music oh, adventure? It
3: was brutal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we were here, so it was a very tight curriculum. It was really architected by one of Nashville's top entrepreneurs now michael Bircham, who is big in healthcare space joe galante who is a legendary music executive and his right hand at the time and still throughout uh, heather McBee and robbie goldsmith and sam as well and they just kind of all put their arms around this thing you know none of them had done it before uh-huh. and Vic Gatto, who actually helped on the, on the investor side they put together a group of friends they raised capital really pulling teeth to, you know, on this experiment. I had one investor say, I knew when I gave project with my money, I was never going to see it again. I just did it as a favor to Joe. Unfortunately, well, he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were here day in and day out, 12 hours a day. Wow. And because my buddy and I just assumed we'd be able to find temporary housing, we didn't really plan it out very well oh, so no. we were bouncing from airbnbs and different motels and oh, things no. like that so there were a few nights where we had nowhere to stay so i was sleeping right in the back of the entrepreneur center's a google room with a nice comfy couch and i would just <laughs> lay right there on the couch and then other cohorts <laughs> would bring us coffee in the morning uh, so i got really good at making omelets in tupperware in the microwave uh, wow. as well so yeah oh my god uh, but you know it's one of those things that uh, develops a kind of nostalgia you know, oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Right. And I think what is like the nugget of this for me is that it's exactly like starting a band. Yes. In that you have to commit. You just 100%. have to be a hundred percent. You know, you're you moving yourself in. from Chicago to Nashville, you're sleeping on the couch, you're yeah. making omelets in the microwave. <laughs> like that's what it looks like that's to be what it looks like.
3: fully committed. And for me, I mean, I'm a long-time entrepreneur, right? We we'd already had some success. And I kind of felt like I'd arrived. Yeah. <laughs> right before Project Music and Life had a way of humbling me or requiring me to humble myself to even go into the next season. I had to get out of my comfort zone to Chicago. I had to come to Nashville. Uh-huh. Right? I had to sleep on the couch. And it wasn't just Jamber. There were eight other companies. And it was such an intense experience that all eight other CEOs are still friends of mine or, or, or uh, close associates to this day. Oh, that's so great.
0: And now I know, well, first of all, you you live here now. Yeah, I <laughs> you do. fully moved here. <laughs> but you are like a very active alumni of this program. So you come back and talk to that's new correct. cohorts and everything. Yes. So what's changed with the program over the last five years that you've noticed?
3: Well, they've evolved. I mean, uh, one of the things that's changed is they don't require startups to be here full-time anymore. It's more of an opt-in. The second thing is that, from my understanding, they don't take equity anymore. For the first cohort, they did take equity, and we had to work with advisors in different capacities. I think in, in, in that way, it allows Project Music to spread its wings across a larger geographic footprint. And also, it gives the startups more flexibility than we, we had. And that way, you can still get the benefits of Project Music, which is a really massive community of music executives and investors. You get the curriculum. And one of the things that I really liked that Heather McBee did in the early days was she kind of took us through the past of music in Nashville, which I still draw on today, right? like we Everything from the story of the Ryman, you know, uh, so when I saw Wu-Tang Clan, I had extra chills because I knew the backstory (laughs) of the Ryman and... She brought in a great songwriters like Brett James, who's done some cool tracks with, with Taylor Swift and others, to just sit and talk with us. We, we met Garth Brooks, and we learned about the Jubilee Singers, who, you know, I think 20 kids from this college were trying to raise money for the university here in Nashville. And they walked from here to perform in Boston. Whoa. And by the time they arrived in Boston, the 50,000-seat arena was filled out. No social media, no marketing, just their presence and their story and their song along the way. Right. That connection. And when you learn those kind of things, it it just helps you to steal down, okay, wait, it might be technology, but it's nothing new. It's still music. So I I appreciate Heather for doing that. But yeah, we're still here. uh, Also in Chicago, back and forth. I just got an email the other day from a wannabe project music attendee, and I get those all the time. Hey, should I join project music? Is this the right thing for me? You know? And then whenever Project Music asks me to help out, I almost always say yes if I can.
0: Right. So what would you say are the qualities that a young startup should have to come to Project Music and be successful?
3: I think the only quality any startup needs is to learn very quickly. For example, Jamber is completely different than it was when it started, and it's also exactly the same. Uh (laughs) You know, it's like from Caterpillar to Butterfly. I think every startup is a temporary entity in search of a sustainable model. And uh, there is this really interesting experiment where... You know, when Caterpillars go into Crystallis, they kind of turn into a jelly, a soup. There's nothing left except for the legs. And then a butterfly comes out of that. And what's interesting is that we found that the butterfly has the same memories as the Caterpillar before. Wow. And I, I think that that's every startup. You know, we have to be willing to break everything down and go through that process and transform. But we don't lose where we came from either. So, for any startup, you have to be here. You have to be teachable. You have to learn very, very quickly, and I'll say a little humble. <laughs> speaking, speaking from experience. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think that that that's such I love that. It's a perfect life lesson for everybody because I always think mm-hmm. of things in terms of what we can teach bands and yeah. musicians. Yeah. And yeah. it's exactly the same. Be exactly a little bit humble, but yeah. be open and willing to learn.
3: Yeah. And and outwork yourself. You know, they used to do this thing in project music where there's a lot of emphasis on pitching because they were borrowing from other successful models like tech stars which is a, an accelerator, a very successful accelerator now around the world, mm-hmm. and Y Combinator, where the external perspective is you go through this four-month program, and then there's Demo Day, where 800, 1,200 investors come in an auditorium, and you pitch on stage, and they write you a check for $5 million. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of the external perspective. It's not how it works. But we kind of had that coming in too, because I would never been a part of a venture-backed company. So we're like, we're gonna go to Project Music. And there was all this emphasis on pitching. We had we had to, we had to uh, present our pitch decks every Friday. I got in trouble a few times, but we had to do it every Friday. And, you know, we had this big, beautiful presentation, and we were so nervous backstage. It was at the country music hall of fame. I mean, some CEOs were throwing up behind the piano, and it was it <gasps> oh was it was like we were going on stage for our first concert, Whoa. you know? And not a single check was written that day. <laughs> wow. Because that's not how it works. It's, it's more like an intro. And mm-hmm. then there's a follow-up conversation and you talk with investors over time and then the checks come in. Mm-hmm. But still, just a great experience. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, good memories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And your company, Jamber, which mm-hmm. have you launched yet? Are you officially
3: launched? We officially, yeah. We We have a few products out in the wild right now, so it's a pretty exciting time for us.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean, your product is such a cool, I mean, what you guys do is so cool. Yeah. And I think I've said this to you before, but I know that this is like such a big deal. Yes, and And that Project Music has really helped us. So you guys are tech startups. You have, yes. you know, you have a tech background. That's correct. But when you come into the music space, you actually learn about music. And I feel like yes. that's why we are where we are right now, because music and tech have been talking to each other instead of you know, for years it was tech walked in and said, "I have a great idea for this product." That's and so true. Music was like, "We don't need that product."
2: That's like, right. That's like you so.
3: Want. You saw, I, I, I'm actually working on a 14 points blog right now that you just summed up that simply. You right. know, I was like, Tech is always trying to save the music industry, right? And music right. is like, We don't need to be saved,
0: right? <laughs> or, or at least, if you want to save us, why don't you find out what our problems are?
3: Understand us first, exactly, right? and then and you can
0: solve our problems.
3: What you're saying is so powerful because it is the reason why. The music industry is one of the hardest to crack, and also one of the most rewarding when you do. Mm. Like you have to pay your dues. There's no way around it. This industry has centuries of practice protecting itself from intru- from intruders. True. Right. No one's going to really give you their clout or their name to borrow off of until they know you're going to add value to theirs. And so there's no shortcuts. Right. There are literally no shortcuts in the music industry at no. all. Zero. It's true. And, and other industries there are. You know there are there are shortcuts in finance. There are shortcuts even in I can name a few, but music industry, there are none. Yeah. So, you spend your time uh, traversing the perimeter of the pond trying to find a gate that's not locked. Right. <laughs> They're all locked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what you have to do instead is, at least the way I was taught here uh, starting in Nashville, the gatekeepers in Nashville were extraordinarily gracious to us. Right? There wasn't a single meeting I couldn't get into or a single door that wouldn't open. But they didn't really show us the secret handshake until they knew we were here to add value to the creatives. hmm and it wasn't our words that won them over. They tried us over time. I mean, it's it takes about two to three years just to crack into the core where they trust you. Right. And even after that, as you know, your equity is your treasure, right? Your name and what you're doing matters. Sure. And sometimes if they see one iota of BS or corruption, it's enough to make you go, huh, because they're not that way. Exactly. Right? They found a way to maintain their integrity and they expect their network to do the same. And that's why we're, I mean, I'm super excited. We made history last year, but it took us four years to get there and a lot of capital. And now we feel like we can run full speed ahead. Absolutely.
0: And just to elucidate that a little bit more, you know, I always say on the show that the music industry is a patchwork of historical accidents. Yes. and But the thing is, that's our truth. That's and right. And when people try to gloss over that and be like, oh, well, you guys just don't understand rights management you know, <laughs> right. or whatever. It's yes. like, no, we absolutely do. That's I mean, right. you know, I, I've seen so many panels where people are like, we just don't know who owns what. and That's I'm like, right. No, we do. Yeah. We do. But you haven't asked us. You That's haven't right. figured out how to learn, you know, learn what's been going on and yes. and how we got here.
3: This was one of the things where, uh, you know, blockchain is a great example of this. I like to say that the music industry has a little bit of Napster PTSD. <laughs> Where, you know, hashtag blindsided. Yeah. Right. You know, so in general, they'll take any kind of meeting. And, and when blockchain proponents were shopping around this new transparent, you know, holy grail, right. Yeah, all the players came to the table, but not for the reasons that those proponents thought. Right. You know, there are two important things in this industry. One is that patchwork is important mm-hmm. and it cannot be undone. I right. mean, we don't want it undone. Right. The other thing that's important is that the secret ingredient is the secret ingredient for a reason. You know, no one knows really Colonel Sanders' recipe or Coca Cola's right. recipe. It's in a vault. And my grandmother told me that the secret ingredient is often secret because it took a lot of time to find and it's easy to copy. Oh, yeah. And when you start coming in here, like, we're going to turn on the lights and transparency for all, we're like, wait, why what? would we want that? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want people knowing how I we got this contract, for yeah, for this arena. Like, yeah, go away, yeah. go away. So you're right. There are too many budding entrepreneurs, you know, well meaning entrepreneurs that are trying to solve problems that they see, mm-hmm. but not the ones that we care most about in the space. Exactly,
0: And that's the, when you honor that, which you guys obviously have, and you yeah. paid your dues and you learned, yes. then you
3: get to, you know, make history. You get to make history. And which for us, that history, to your point, was even by accident. The history we made is, that we really focused a lot on getting paid, and that's always been the case. But we had to learn, is it getting paid for session musicians? Is it getting paid for producers, songwriters? You know, now we're hyper-zeroing our royalties as our first play here. And for the first time, we can let songwriters and producers kind of capture their ownership in a mobile phone and put that all the way through their royalties. That's never been done before. But the reason we were able to do it is because we're standing on lots of different shoulders, right? We we acquired a company called Tune Registry that had a major piece. And we didn't know that the Music Modernization Act, which is a new, really great law about getting paid, was going to come into play. We didn't know that. Like, there's all this beautiful serendipity that has just created this chorus that now is the time for us to streamline some of these things. But if we come in like, hey, we have figured it out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Jamber.com, you know, we knew it all. That rubs me the wrong way.
0: Well, right. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and it would rub everyone else the wrong it would way, rub too.
3: everyone else the wrong yeah. way, too. Yeah. So. And I celebrate the people that got me here because they don't celebrate themselves. You know what I mean? mm mm-hmm. right? Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Exactly. The, the real people that make this industry tick, we know who they are. Yeah. But they're not necessarily the artists on stage. Right. Or the shiny names. I'll put it like this. I've come across kind of two mentors in my thirst for hunger, two types of mentors here in Nashville. The first one I found was pretty boisterous and flamboyant and had a great resume and wanted to literally charge me for their time. And at the time, I thought it was worth it because it looked like a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. The second person volunteered their time before I asked, brought me all the materials and never asked for a dime. Or for any equity or anything of that nature, because they wanted me to be successful and mm-hmm. the impact I was going to have on on creators. Exactly. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. And that's when I started to learn. Like, aha, okay, I'm getting it now. If exactly. I do my job, the resources will come.
0: Well, and that's the whole reason I started this podcast was mm. because everyone was saying in the industry for a while there that like labels are just out to screw artists, and like the whole point <laughs> of labels is just to take money from artists. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, I work every day with hundreds of people right. who desperately want artists to succeed. That's right. And they have these quiet jobs where they're not in the front line, that's they're right. not in the headlines. That's right. And so that's who I try to interview on this show, to show what everyone's doing to to make artists be successful.
3: Yeah, that's, that's 100% true. I was on a panel, and it's funny, the best panels are the ones where they make you take your turn your phones off, because everyone can be super candid. <laughs> and oh, I was on a smart. panel with what appeared to be the warring tribes. Streaming companies were there with labels, were there with publishers we were there with advertisers and the one thing about all these executives on the panels is they were all creative first mm-hmm. there were indeed tribal wars going on on other nuances but every single person on that panel got into this business because they wanted to support creatives and artwork the, the people that come to this business to exploit people they don't last very long or they get pushed to the edge it's true The majority of people I've met, 98% of them, are here for the right reasons. Now, at the same time, is it a leverage game? Absolutely, because that's economics. Right. right? Everybody wants to be a star. Right. (laughs) So protect your money, protect yourself, but there are lots of amazing people that will join your team in a heartbeat Mm if you resonate with them, and that's who you want to find.
0: And on that note, Marcus Cobb, the CEO of (laughs) Jamber, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for this. On the future of what? Yeah,
3: thank you.
4: I'm not looking to find a pot of gold I will paint you a picture that's inside my head first I must carve out a place picture yourself carving out a place in a room now look up there's the diamond ceiling look up now this is what it sounds like around you is a solitude trilogy and glass slippers are on your feet When I say go, you'll hear the Solitude Trilogy come in clearly. Go. Now look down. The glass slippers are on your feet. This is what they sound like as they meet. Now walk in the self-eaters. Their sound is much clearer here. So you sit down and you start to think of ideas of the North. But in walk the latecomers. They back shuffle forwards. Their sound is weird. I'm not looking to find a pot of gold. The picture in my head is my reward. Go. Around you is a solitude trilogy and glass slippers are on your feet. When I say go, you'll hear the solitude trilogy come in clearly go now look down the glass slippers are on your feet this is what they sound like as they meet now walk in the self eaters their sound is much clearer here so you sit down and you start to think of ideas of the north but in walk the late comers They back shuffle forwards, their sound is weird.
0: was Patterns of a Diamond Ceiling by Marnie Stern. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. Also, check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's Potty Mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Mackenzie Stokel of EVA. Mackenzie, welcome to The Future of What.
5: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. We are doing a special episode about Project Music, which is housed at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. And I know that you guys are graduates of the first class, the 2015 class. That's right. And I want to hear about how you came to this place. I think probably the best way is to help us understand what is Eva and what do you guys do?
5: Sure. So Eva is an online marketplace that connects event planners and vetted entertainment. So we basically automate the booking process for live entertainment. A lot of our business is corporate events. And we started off by really booking a lot of music and are beginning to branch into different forms of entertainment.
0: Obviously, that's a great idea. It's interesting that there wasn't a centralized marketplace for that in the past. Yeah. How did you guys figure out that that was a need in the marketplace?
5: So, my co founder Channing and I began while we were in college at Belmont. We really knew a lot about the music industry side. We knew a lot about how booking worked and how public events and ticketed shows were booked. But the private industry really kind of came to us. We began putting on our own events and producing events and booking talent while we were still in school. And then really kind of saw that corporate event planners, private event planners were having trouble finding vetted entertainment and were using kind of the same people over and over again and didn't know how to find new forms of entertainment that they knew was going to be good for their client.
0: Wow. So what makes entertainment
5: vetted? It's kind of like a six step process that we use, but really the things that we focus on to vet that entertainment is making sure that a band, let's say, has played shows before. You know, you have touring experience. So we use Bands in Town's API to see what venues and what markets these acts have played in, what size rooms. And then we also. Live video content is really important for us. So, we use that to really pitch these acts on the platform. So, they need to have quality live video content. And then there's even another layer of kind of the professionalism that goes with booking corporate events. So, that's kind of something that we're beginning to educate a lot of talent on as what the difference is with corporate events than just like a regular ticketed show. Like, what are the extra things that you might have to do at a private or corporate event rather than just a show that you're selling tickets to.
0: Fantastic. So I'm thinking in my head, you know, you always hear about some rich princess in Dubai who had Pink play her 15th birthday party or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You sort of hear these like, you know, the big, big artists that have a sideline in playing private events. But it seems to me that Eva is not just for that. It's also for you know a band who, let's say, is a hardworking band, but really nobody's ever heard of them. They don't have any songs on the radio. They don't have a high profile, but they're a terrific live band. It sounds like those people are some of the people that come and sign up as artists on Eva. Is that correct?
5: Yeah. I would say our specialty is that kind of 50 grand act and under. That's what we've found that we can really automate. And then anything above that, any big headliner we can still book working through booking agencies, but because it's bigger budgets are just less consistent. So there is it's way more manual to book bigger headlining acts. But we really like the local talent and those kind of lesser known acts. That's definitely where we focus.
0: And what would you say, I mean, just from your experience, is the type of artist that corporate events enjoy the most like are they looking for like a high energy dance band are they looking for a quiet singer songwriter like what do you find that they are
5: looking for yeah the genre can be you know it's not necessarily specific to the type of music but we've kind of booked a little bit of everything depending on what the event is but acts that do really well in the corporate space are honestly really like charismatic and they really know how to talk to an audience and Maybe even customize their set a little bit towards a specific group. People that are really like kind of willing to work with us and change things up a bit. And then also just acts that do something a little bit different. You know, some of the entertainment that we book the most is just something that people haven't seen before, like doing a cool kind of like cover mashup of a song or just something a little bit you know, out there that people aren't used to seeing is stuff that we see is successful. Wow.
0: Okay. So now I'm fascinated by your company, which is a good sign, right? (laughs) Right? I guess we have to pivot back to to talking a little bit more about Project Music. So do you want to talk about what you guys gained from your... I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty intensive experience that first year.
5: Yeah, the first year, I, I know it's changed a good bit since 2015 when we did it. But... It was a 14-week program all day every day. You were there for you know 14-hour days, and there was classes every day that you were attending. And then on days where the education wasn't as heavy, you were meetings like back-to-back, you know, meeting with people in the music industry and really just vetting your model and kind of seeing what partnerships you could make in Nashville to really better your business and grow quickly so it was huge for us it was like a you know getting our mba in a super short amount of time i think us being the youngest in the cohort as well i think we probably got the most out of it you know by far as well
0: cuz you guys were still in college
5: right yes we were juniors in college wow
0: that is that's very cool so since you guys launched and you know graduated and have moved on with your business in the world have you guys returned to project music to do like mentoring or speak about your experience or have you been involved
5: yeah we're still pretty involved with project music and at the ec definitely mentoring a lot of companies we just kind of work with the team the project music team a lot as well to help them find new companies and kind of just spread the word even on people that might want to invest in project music and i feel like we're definitely a champion ever since graduating we're we're always kind of getting connected with new people or helping connect people to Project Music. Awesome.
0: So just to sort of bring it all full circle, what's your advice to young startups in the music space, people who might be considering going to Project Music or you know, just getting their own company off the ground? What's probably the best advice you could give them?
5: The advice I always think of first is somewhat cliche, but it is really kind of just go for it and kind of do it and Ask for forgiveness later, <laughs> rather than you know waiting to see if you can get permission from certain companies or certain groups. I think just if you know that you have a valid idea and there are people around you that need it and the groups that would benefit from technology, especially. I think the music industry, some areas have been really slow to accept technology, but I think it's inevitable that technology is going to help every industry, and so kind of just doing it and you know, knowing that people might not necessarily agree with what you're doing right away, or it might be really hard, you might get pushback, but just really seeing it through and and kind of getting to market. And then once you're there, as hard as it is just to get a product into market, then really kind of like saying, okay, well, we've gotten this far. Now let's kind of analyze and come back and see where we can go from here rather than Getting permission, I think, from some of the big music industry companies.
0: I love that. I think not waiting for permission is great advice because a lot of people really feel like they have to. You know, they're like, oh, well, I can't really move forward until somebody else, some gatekeeper says it's okay. So that is, I think that's great
5: advice. Yeah. And the music industry is super intimidating too. I mean, there's so many people that there are several, booking especially, it is kind of an archaic process. So, you know, there's just no matter what, there will be people that just don't agree with what you're doing or won't adjust. But I think just blazing forward if you know that it is valid and there are people that will
0: is important. Absolutely. Well, Mackenzie Stokel, who is the COO of EVA, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What?
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: was Cherry Bomb by Bratmobile. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Stephen Lin, entrepreneur in residence for Project Music. Stephen, welcome to The Future of What. Thank you. It's nice to have you. No, it's good to be here. So let's talk a little bit about what it means to be the entrepreneur-in-residence for Project Music. What do you actually do with the
6: classes? Well, primarily, I become their liaison to the industry as a whole. You know, the program has a group of advisors. Okay. And the EC uses those advisors, not just for Project Music, but we also have a lot of music and entertainment companies that aren't in the program that come through the EC. So those advisors will mentor and advise them. But a lot of these teams have specific needs, it be in live music or with label or with publishing or with whatever it may be. So I help make those connections to the greater industry as a whole to bring those people in to help advise them, as well as help create the curriculum for the program and help run the program and do whatever else that they need, as well as advising the companies myself. Wow.
0: You're... Positioned to do this from many years in the music industry. I've, I read your bio and you've done a lot of stuff.
6: Yeah, I can't keep a job. So, <laughs> on the music side of what I've done, I was at CMT and did music programming and promotion for the network. I managed, started at Broken Bows and House Management Company. And then my company now does Artist Development and Branding that I started several years ago. And so, from those various aspects and the variety of that, that is really helpful to what I do for the program because I've been in a bunch of those places and niches that aren't just recorded music, label, write a song, get it distributed.
0: Sure. And today, I think we're, I mean, the whole music industry has come to a place where I feel like multiple ways of doing things is kind of the buzzword instead of one-size-fits-all, which is sort of what it used to be.
6: Yeah. You know, what these companies, it's just like with an artist. You know, an artist is a small business. Absolutely. And they have to build... A business and have multiple revenue streams. You know, the the woman who sells couches doesn't just sell couches. She has interior design services, and she's got cleaning products and side tables. And the core business of what these startups are doing is obviously what we're trying to help them grow. But it's to be able to have opportunities that make them more industry agnostic. For you know, we've had several. I buy as one company that was in the program. They have this incredible technology that will allow whatever is on the screen, you can tap it and buy it. So if you're watching a music video or this, if the, the example they would use is if you're watching the CMA awards and Carrie Underwood's shoes look great, the Macy's or whoever sells them, I'm not sure Carrie bought it at Macy's, but can have it enabled to where you'll get a push notification. You can buy your shoes. Right. So music is how they came in and where they started. They've now moved into sports betting now that that's legal it's going to be a field goal is you going to make it or not it pops up you can bet in real time wow so it starts in music but to your point of having different revenue streams and broadening in order to fund it because there's not a whole lot of money invested in music companies right now right particularly in the current marketplace there haven't been any really big wins you know it's not like in nashville healthcare is huge as well And there are some really, really big wins in healthcare. So, raising money for healthcare startups is a whole lot easier than for music startups. So, if you can show you're a platform more than just a music company, you have a better chance. And so, those are some of the things that, through our advisors and the mentor program, we help them understand. You know, the idea, it's not like Shark Tank. You know, we don't come in and say, this sucks, you should take it behind the barn and shoot it, as (laughs) Kevin O'Leary would say. Instead, we hook them up with advisors who can help them realize, okay, this isn't going to work. I need to change and do this and find market validation that can make their business grow. Wow.
0: This is fascinating to me. I mean, this whole, I think it's its great. Can you talk a little bit about how this whole thing got started? I mean, I know it was a joint project between Nashville Entrepreneur Center and the CMA, the mm-hmm. Country Music Association. What you know, yeah, do you Yeah, that a little bit?
6: We're wrapping up the fifth year. Uh, This is my third year as entrepreneur in residence. I was just an advisor prior to that. The first three years, it was a traditional incubator accelerator program. There was a cohort. They lived here for a 16-week program. They got funding. There was an investment committee that funded it, and they would have funding and your traditional model. One of the things we found with that was that you had a lot of companies that were really in the idea stage they were really great ideas, and they were really good companies. But we couldn't do anything with them because they weren't investable yet. Right. And then you had companies that were great, and we thought we could really help, and we wanted them in the program, and they wanted our help, but they'd already raised money, mm-hmm. and they were too far ahead. And for the investment that the program gave, it would tie their hand at raising any other money because it would lower their valuation. Oh. So we couldn't have them in the program. You know, that wouldn't be right for them, and they wouldn't do it anyway. Got it. So the past two years, it's been the portfolio model that we've created, which is a year-long program, and it's for startups at any stage. So there's no funding involved anymore, no investment funding, but it's a year-long program that walks them through, you know, industry curriculum. Because it's amazing how well it's just like anybody who gets in the industry. Everybody thinks there are two seats at the table: the artist and the audience. <laughs> It's actually a 40-seat conference room. Yeah. And so we help them understand that, no, you can't just go use this music. Right. Even though the label said it was fine, because you have all these five publishers you have to deal with. Right. You know, So we make sure they understand that, because it has implications for whether their business can even operate. Absolutely. So then we build up through that, help them work to showcase, which is a pitch day, and then we have investor meetings at the end of the program. A lot of stuff in between there that you don't have time to listen to. And so that's how we're doing it now. And it's been good because we've had a lot more companies with more variety come in. And that's the thing that's really rewarding is that it's fun being around these young, I'm an old man, so it's fun being around all these young people who have great ideas and are, you know, trying to figure out what's next. The, you know, it's the future of what. Yeah. And there's a figure that out. We're able to help them because we've seen the movie before mm-hmm. to avoid a lot of those potholes al- along the way. So that's really been great because you have people helping in the live space, helping artists, helping rights holders monetize, helping make the fan experience better. It's such a great variety of really helping determine and shape what the music industry will become.
0: And honestly, that's
6: really what it's all about, right? At exactly. this point. We got we got a, everybody needs to make a living, right? <laughs> and you know, the whole thing in this industry is, you know, What's working right now and what's great now, in six months, it's all different. That's right. And so these changes and these evolutions is what's going to help keep that pie growing. And it's just not in ways that we can think of right now. Right. We have to help the people who come along next with
0: the next great idea. Yeah. To realize that and vision.
6: Outside, you know, Secret Cord Labs is in this year's cohort. And it's a company founded by two neuroscientists and a freestyle rapper. There you and go. they are using the science of brain neurology to help determine what songs should be released and how and what make people happy and how a song will be popular to help artists, writers, labels pick the right songs to go to the marketplace and that are going to be most successful. Wow. Using neuroscience. That's amazing. You know, I had not thought of that myself. No, no. but <laughs> <laughs> But thank God somebody
0: did, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Stephen Lynn, it's been a joy to have you with me today. Thanks for being with me on The Future Thanks of Thanks for having me. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard New Dog, Marnie Stern, Bratmobile, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwhatshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Clark Buckner at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next week.